Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. All right, so last week I talked about that. Um, We thank God for this. Paul says, for what? And he says that you received the word of God. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. So he thanks God for that. Now we're going to move on to the news. So there's the context of where we're at. Okay, verse 14 through 18. Now, this is on your handout, so if you didn't have a Bible, you want to look on your handout there, you can look at that. Um, I'm going to read through, here's the plan. I'm going to read through for continued context, okay, verses 14 through 18. Just going to kind of read through it, a little bit of commentary, a little bit of a few thoughts as I go. All leading up to verses 19 and 20. Now, I'm going to force myself to plow through verses 14 through 18. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there are a lot of elements in there that are demanding my further attention. So I'm going I'm to mention those as we go, but I'm going to try to just go past those, okay? Because there's something there in 1920 that I really want you to see. But uh, before I pray, I'm going to ask you one more question, then I'm going to pray. Let me ask you this. Um, what, what brings you joy? Now, I know we're in church, and I'm okay with you giving me the ultra-spiritual answers, okay? It's okay. But I also would like to know what other things bring you joy. Yes, way back on that. Chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> After your own heart. <laughs> what else? Yeah. Like last night, and it's so fun when it organically happens, but just have my family around the table, my parents, and just laughing and talking. Like I think especially we miss that now that we're so quarantined from each other, but I think just when that, when family, I think I would say family together mm-hmm. as a one of my favorite verses is, I have no greater joy than when my children walk in truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what brings me most joy. Absolutely. Anybody else? What brings you joy? Waking up this morning and hearing the birds singing. Mm. My grandmother's muffins. <laughs> <laughs> Brand muffins. Mm. They must be good. Nobody wants to share. <laughs> Joe, I had one up here, and Joe walked in, and then he his way up here and he goes, I could smell those when I walked in the building. <laughs> um, anybody else? I, I, I'll throw one out there. Uh, last night when, when Simone and Darius are over and uh, this is not very manly. <laughs> but when you're holding that baby and it falls asleep, you just that like when they're when you're holding them and they Just that preciousness of that little baby is so great. What else? Anybody else? Got a few more before I pray here. When my kids come home. Yes. Come home to visit. There's there's probably so many things that you're probably thinking about right now. The little things, big things, deep spiritual things, I'm sure, but also just those little things like like chocolate, right? There's these things that bring us joy. And I want you to think about that element of joy when we go into this, okay? That's going to be an important little element. So take that little, like, bookmark it in your brain, the word joy. Be aware of it. Listen for it. Listen to the the things that are connected to joy. Like, you don't have to say joy to talk about joy, right? Like, Ashley could have said, ooh, a chocolate bar. Now, she wouldn't have said joy, 
But could you have detected joy? Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. Bless this little bit of time we have together as we look at your word. I ask that it would be opened up to us, to our hearts, that we would understand the things that Paul is writing about. Lord, I pray that you be with me as I speak, that it wouldn't be my own thoughts or ideas, but truly what you would have from us. And I pray that those in this room today, Lord, if that's the case, if I'm speaking your word, that they would accept it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so 14 through 18. Verse 14 says, For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets. They drove us out, and they displeased God, and they opposed all mankind. How? their sins. The wrath has come upon them at last. Now once again, a lot of smaller things in there that I go, okay, that's going to need some further investigation, some interesting things that Paul says. But I want to point out that this is Paul's two chapter long Thanksgiving. One of Paul's longest times of Thanksgiving. Of all the letters he writes, he starts a lot of them up. I just want to thank God for this. This is one of the longest ones that he has. And I want to point out that this Thanksgiving is sandwiched between two comments on Paul's saying, well, let's go back to chapter 1, verse 6. And I put this on your little pamphlet for you. So if you, if you didn't have, have your Bible with you, you can look back up at it. This is the beginning of chapter 1, verse 6. It says this, And you became... ...imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now again, you hear the suffering again. He starts off with that. He's thanking God for it. He's also, at the end, by the way, side note, if you see any words that are repeated in chapter 1, verse 6, and chapter 2, verse 14? It looks like our word for mimic. Right? So it's an imitation, but not in a that negative, like, oh, like a, oh, this is the imitation version that doesn't taste good, right? It, it's like the, the it's, it's imitating, it's, it's fashioned after it. And so these Thessalonians are imitators of, of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are imitators of those who came before Christ. Uh, in verse 14, it says they're imitators of the, the churches in Judea who are imitators of Jesus. And so we've talked about this before. But I'm going to have to take a little rabbit trail because I want you to think about something really important when it comes to this suffering that they are experiencing. Okay? So let's think, now if you have your Bibles, I don't have this, this is a big chunk, you don't have to look there, I'm going to read it for you. Let's think about how were they imitating Paul and Silas in affliction? 
Okay? So I went back to Acts when Paul and Silas were in Thessalonica. Okay? So Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Okay? Let's listen to how Paul and Silas were in Thessalonica. Okay? And when they had passed through... Custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, taking some wicked men of the rabble. They formed a mob. Okay, so this Paul and Silas formed a mob. Okay, that's what they did not call the they didn't the mob. The Jews did, right? For the mob. Set the city in an uproar, attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men, who'll turn the whole world upside down, have come here also. Now, I'm, I keep reading it. That's what the Thessalonians went through. Can you imagine being a brand new believer like this Jason individual? And the first day that you're a Christian, you get dragged out by a city mob. Can you imagine that? How many of us, if we're honest, would be thinking, I don't, okay, I said I was, I wanted to join in with this, but I'm having second thoughts. Thessalonians continue to suffer that type of persecution. Let's, let's go back a little bit further because he said that they were imitating Paul and Silas. He said you became imitators by us. So let's go back chapter 16 of Acts verse 19. Um, <clears throat> Paul and Silas in Philippi, the city that they were at right before they went to Thessalonica. Okay. Let's see what happens. Verse 19. When our owners saw... Okay, let's see. Let's get down. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate for customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in and attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off them. Think about it. Let yourself enter into that scenario. Preaching the gospel in a city. Can you imagine that? Think about that. We skip over that little part to the next part, but just think about the humiliation of that. Um, gave orders to beat them with rods, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now you know what happens next, don't you? So this is who they're imitating. <clears throat> I could talk about um, even earlier than that. Acts chapter 5, because it says they were imitating the churches in Judea. How about Acts chapter 5? Peter and the first apostles, the first time that they were suffering for preaching. It says after they were beaten, Acts chapter 5.
talked about Stephen. What happened to Stephen? Yeah. So this is who they were imitating. And I think that you may see a bit of a, a picture of how they were imitating. It was more than just the fact that they suffered, but there was a little bit more there. Let me ask you a question. Let's say, let's say a guy jumped off the Wabash Bridge, right? Let's say he went out there, he jumped up, he just decided to jump up. Let's say he survives, okay? They pull him out, half of his bones are broken in his body because he smacked that wire. Pulls him out, he's in the hospital, let's say I go see him, okay? Now let's say, as I get up here to see him, if you think he'd be in pain? Measure of suffering that he would be enduring. Let's say, after investigating this scenario, let's say I found out this guy, he, on the way out to the Wabash Bridge, said, I'm doing this. In the name of Jesus. And then jumped off the bridge. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. Paul is thanking God that the Philippians, or that the Thessalonians were, were, had suffered for the sake of Christ. Now, do you think that I would, in that moment, look at that guy and go, I'm just rejoicing. Because you suffered in the name of Christ. <laughs> I would. I would be. <laughs> You're an idiot. That is not suffering for the sake of Jesus. Let's, okay. Let's say. Feeling sorry for my brother-in-law, Travis. Aching foot. He's suffering. He's suffering. Let's say I got to talk to him. He said, Jesus told me to smack those bees. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is it. Okay, let's say, let's say I went to a museum on a field trip. Okay? Um, get into the museum. Walk around. Got my class with me. And I see this one particular display, and I'm like, you know, they have those velvety ropes. I go, boom, go to the inside, and I start, okay, kids, so this is, this is the actual table that George Washington And then the security guard comes. What, what do you think he's going to do? And grab me and throw me out. Now, now let's say in the process of taking me out, as he's like, he probably got me by the belt and the, you know, and he's carrying me out. I go, this guy hates teachers. And, and then, am I suffering because I'm a teacher? Is that really what's going on? Okay. I love it. I love being a joke. How about this one? Let's make it more church related. Let's say. Monday in this building. I don't know if they do this or not. Let's say Monday is bingo day. I don't, I don't know. Do they do that? I have no clue. But let's pretend like they do for a minute. Let's say Monday is a big bingo day 
in the senior center. Okay, no offense to anybody like the bingo, and no offense to any seniors. <laughs> but let's say that's what's going on on Monday. And let's say I decide, because this is where I've been having church, I decide to come up here on Monday, right in the middle of the bingo, the bingo college up here, like, out of the airport. B2, you know, whatever they do. Let's say I get up there and I stand next to him and I start going, you know, what Jesus says in the Bible, and I start preaching at the bingo thing. Now, what, what, what might happen? What do you think? I, I don't know, actually. What do you think they might do? Someone might like it and they're like, yeah, amen. Right? But if they're trying to accomplish something, you think at some point the director might come over to me and say, Sir, could you? Now let's say I started stepping away. And on my way out, because he's maybe he's grabbing me, pushing me out. Maybe he had to call the cops. My brother in law. He's like, Sorry, buddy. He me on the ground, cuffed me up. And I go, Hey, Christian. I'm here. Now, let me ask you again. Would anybody in this room say that that is genuinely suffering for the sake of the name of Jesus? No, because there's, there's something else at, at stake. There. There's something else going on. I think that we would all say there's a measure of idiocy in all of those examples. Except smack and beans. That wasn't stupid. I get it. <laughs> there's a measure of stupidity in that. Is there not? So I think that when we take a step back, and, and just, just bear with me, I think that when we take a step back and we think about suffering for the sake of the name of Jesus, there, there's one element, there's two elements I think that are important for it to be a, a moment where Paul, somebody like Paul would say, I'm thanking God for it. Because, because I don't think, there, there's a lot of things that people could say. wrong and frankly a, a poor representation of what Christ is about and doesn't display the gospel. Would you agree? So there's at least one element that I think that we have to we have to say. Uh, Peter actually talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 20. I don't know if I have this one on your paper or not, but he says what credit is it if you if you do wrong and suffer? benefit in suffering if you did something wrong and then you suffer. You can't just pronounce it under the name of Jesus and say, oh, I'm suffering for the sake of the name of Jesus. It doesn't work that way. There's something else I think in all these examples I've given as well. Let's go back to Peter. That first time that they suffered, they were beaten and they left and it says they were rejoicing. That they were counted worthy. That's what it says. They were rejoicing. They were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. They're, they're leaving. Just rejoice. Let's say instead. Now he just suffered. Clearly for the sake of the name of Jesus. He wasn't doing something wrong. He was just sharing the gospel. They came in. You can't do that. The disciples. You know, he's walking out with John going, and they can't do this. They can't do this. Uh, how many people got saved on the day of Pentecost? A few thousand? Well, what if Peter, instead of just walking out rejoicing, let's say he's, he, he's, and you know what? 
ones that got saved up here. And I heard Philip, he was talking to you give a unique image. Now let's get him to, and we got to pull together to get a crowd. Protest. They can't do this to us. In what just happened if they take that approach? What do you think? What about Stephen? What if the first guy that picked up the stone, Stephen's up there preaching. The first guy that throws the stone. Just Stephen working with. Like, me, I'm better aim than you are, too. What if, what if the story would have gone like that? Would it have been the same at all? Do you think it would have been a moment of praise that we would give thanks for? Absolutely not. What about Paul when and Silas were in jail? Instead of singing praises to God, they started to grab their little metal cups and started to Right? Well, they started started making up a little chance. The jailer, that's a Philippian. He's an ignorant one. First he put me in the cell. Now he's going to go to Hades. What would Paul? What if Paul would have done that in jail? Would it have been the same scenario? Would it have been an imitation of Jesus to suffer that way without rejoicing? What about Jesus himself? A lot of people point to the time when he was in the garden. And he's obviously stressed because he knows what he's going to go through. But, but you have to understand that it says in Hebrews 12 too that it All along the way, willingly, he could have called how many angels, you think? 10,000. You know what else he could have done? On the way up, this is stupid. i got to suffer for these people. I might have been doing that. They did something, I'm suffering. When i got to suffer for their sin. We see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. Read it again in your heads real quick. They suffered. Do you see anything in there about how they suffered? Remember that little bookmark I told you to bookmark a word? Do you see it in there? What was the word? Joy. Was there affliction with joy? What's it say? Nobody's answering me. First Thessalonians chapter one verse six. We see, you see joy in there. Yes. Yeah. So I see these two elements for true imitation, and I'm just scratching the surface. I I, I would love if I had more time to dig in deep to show you these two elements are so essential for uh, for Paul to be grateful for a suffering where he says it's like an imitation of Christ. Two essential things I see. One, 
It must be genuinely in the name of Christ. You can't just tap that onto the end. And two, it must be done with joy. I think we understand the element of joy with this. Let's say my own son's on Father's Day. Let's say they decide to do something nice for me. When is Father's Day anyway? Right now? I have no idea. Sometime in June. Sometime in June. Okay. Let's say they, they do, decide to do something nice for me for Father's Day. And when I start to say thanks, let's say instead of just saying, you have a good kiss of love. Let's say, what well, do we have to? Cost more than twenty bucks, so two hundred fifty-five. Would, would there be? Any, do you think I would like the gift at that point? What do you think? Well, it depends on how I feel. <laughs> let me read down. Let me jump back into chapter two because there's one more time where this idea, this bookmark joy, comes up. Verse seventeen, First Thessalonians chapter two, verse seventeen and eighteen. Since, since we were torn away from, which by the way, the next verse is just to remind you that what, we, what we're going through. It touches on what we've gone through ourselves, having to be away from each other. Um, Paul says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again. For what is our hope? This is Paul speaking about those Thessalonians. I, I read this this week and I thought, this is how I, I can say, as God is my witness, this is how I feel about those that come and hear me speak. This is how I feel. Paul says, for what is our hope? Three things. Was our hope or joy or crown of boasting? Hope, that word hope is an expectation of future pleasure. Joy, you know what that one is. Crown of boasting, crown of glory, some versions even say. What is it for Paul and what does he say? Is it not? Who? What's he say? He says, is it not you? Is it not you? What is our hope or joy or crown boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? So when Jesus comes back, what's the thing that Paul is looking forward to where he goes, that is going to swell my heart to overflowing is when I see you. Right? And he goes on to verse 20, and I think this is essential, because that's not only future joy he's thinking of, but verse 20, it shifts to the present tense. He says, for you are our glory and joy. Now, my mother-in-law mentioned a verse earlier, 3 John, verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I know she thinks of that as with her own physical children, and that works, doesn't it? John, as he wrote this, he wasn't thinking just of his own physical children. He was thinking of all those that had heard the gospel preached were walking in the truth. There's no greater joy than to hear that. And I think that what we're seeing from Paul, because it was sandwiched in there, is the thing that brought him joy 
was that the fact the fact that the Thessalonians suffered with joy. Can you see that in this text? What was bringing him joy, bringing him hope that, that hey, this I'm going to see them on the day of the Lord. What what kind of solidified that for him was the fact that he had seen them. Now think about one of the one of the examples. One name that we have from the Thessalonians was that guy Jason. Remember him? First day Christian, I think. At least the first week. That brings me. Now there's joy you get from chocolate, right? I know. I get it. Isn't there some things though, and some of you mentioned them, that that bring such a deeper more lasting element of joy than just those little things. Those little things are great. Don't get mentioned. But what about those big things? Seeing your children walk in the truth. I think what I hope to see from all of you is a willingness to suffer. Not just faith made up suffering. You know, all the things that are going on in this world right now, I'm going to tell you right now, I do not believe that we're there yet. If, if I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. If, if I decide to have... ...church no matter what, and I got thrown in jail right now, Okay? I don't believe that if I got thrown in jail, that would be persecution. I think that'd be more like me crossing the line at the museum. Okay? Do I see, though, shadows or hints of the possibility of that? Absolutely. And I think that's what has a lot of you when you bring these things up. That's really what happens. We kind of all know it's not really that yet, but man, I can see it. Now, I want to tell you right now, instead of looking at that and going, man, I hope I didn't get there. I want to change to because Paul looked at those things. He loved those things. There's nothing that brought him greater joy than to see. And I'm telling you, I, my mind has gotten into this to such a degree that I... I used to, I was thinking I was a little bit sick, but I'm telling you right now, the more I read scripture, the more I go, I think there's something right happening in my brain. It's like God's rewiring my brain. And I start to see these possibilities of suffering for the sake of the name of Jesus. And I actually get kind of like giddy. I would love to be able to, to, to before I get to heaven, be able to say, I know what it feels like. So I'm not going to be all in with anybody that goes, you know what? I don't want this to happen. I'm going to tell you right now, up front. You go down that path, I'll smile and nod. But in my head, I'm going, I'm not with you. I'm not entirely opposed. In fact, I go, God, I would love to be able to have the opportunity to say the words.
But I want to encourage you, instead of just automatically jumping to your own defense, think instead, what kind of opportunity God may be opening up for us to experience. Generations of, of Christians in America have not been able to experience that. Something that brought Paul great joy. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's a part of me that longs for that opportunity. Does it scare me to say that out loud? Absolutely. Is there a part of me that goes, what if I don't? I'm going to tell you right now, that thought enters my head. It's not an arrogance. It's a, it's a, it's a clean to the grave. I'm like, God, I want the opportunity so bad that, Lord, I know that if I'm to, to stand in that, it'll be but by your grace. But I want to experience that grace. I want to experience it. And I want to encourage you as you go through your week, instead of thinking automatically about what you might be losing, think instead about what you might have an opportunity to gain. Something that brought Paul great joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this day. I thank you for Paul, his example. Thank you for his suffering and the way he imitated you and your suffering. Thank you for the Thessalonians and their suffering that they went through. I thank you, God, for that. I thank you that is recorded for us to read about. I thank you for this guy, Jason, that suffered for the sake of the name and remained faithful. I thank you for... Rejoicing. I thank you for Stephen, who, as he was dying... Father, they hold the sin not against them. Echoing the words of Christ, Lord, echoing your words. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I thank you for the prophets in the Old Testament who suffered for the sake of your name and did it with joy. I thank you, Lord, ultimately for who you are as our Savior who set the pattern for us to follow. And the fact that you endured the cross and the shame for the joy that was set before you. Little joys and focus on the bigger eternal joys that are offered to us. Help us to be faithful. Lord, if the time comes where true suffering for the sake of the name happens, God, I pray that all in this room would be faithful for the sake of your name and that, Lord, somehow we would do it with joy by your grace.